Tetelul Tafshin Ayin Hay, coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York. I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. That's a song that we really have gotten used to and enjoy very, very much here at the Israel Show, the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Mayor Wangart. Thank you so much for joining us and making us a part of your day, wherever you are, whatever day it is, as I like to say, because we are both live here Monday morning, 9 a.m., Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Israel Time, immediately following JM in the AM, but we are also available on demand whenever you want to listen to us via the Nachum Siegel Network app, via the website, nachumsegel.com, or by signing up for the podcast on iTunes. You can also listen to us on the phone if you're in the United States of America, anywhere, and if you don't have an internet connection. For example, my mother doesn't have an internet connection right now at her house, so she's listening on the phone line, 605-562-4400, 605-562-4400. You can get in touch with us also, mayor at nachumsegel.com, mayor, M-E-I-R, nachumsegel.com, and of course, please stay with the, uh, stay, stay in touch with us. Uh, via the Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show. We have um, two amazing things today. We have an interview with Tamar Asraf, a very special woman. Um, she is the spokesperson for the Regional Council of Binyamin, 
Moatza is a wheat binyamin. There's areas in Israel that are not municipalities, like the big cities, so they have s- several small towns in what is called a regional council, and, and so they have their own person who's the head of the regional council, sort of like the mayor of the towns, and, and she is the spokesperson for the regional council of, uh, of Binyamin. Um, we're going to play a few clips of a conversation we had with her because as, as uh, part of her job, being a spokesperson, she meets groups of tourists, missions, delegations that come, politicians that come to the area. The area that she lives in is Eli and Shiloh, and, and that um, is a, a very, one might say, volatile area politically in, in Europe and in parts of the United States, and it's her job to talk to the people that come. She'll share with us some of her um, interesting experiences. And then later on in the show, we will play for you the actual recording of Ehud Barak, former Prime Minister, former Defense Minister, former Chief of Staff, Israel's most decorated soldier. Loosely lips sink ships, they used to say. I don't know, um, I mean, I don't know what, what motivates a person at that level of Israeli security to allow himself, as part of a, a book that was written about him, and he interviewed with the authors of the book to give them material, and in the interviews, which then got leaked, the tapes of which got leaked, he really clearly lays out how Israel was about to ita- attack Iran militarily to put an end to, uh, to the nuclear bomb, and he explains why it did not happen. Um, has made a lot of headlines, and we're going to play for you. We'll, obviously, there in Hebrew, we'll introduce each segment before we play it so that you will hopefully get an idea of what is, uh, of what is being said. Um, let's go to one more song before we start our interview with uh, Tamar Asaf. This is brand new from, a, from an artist that I've never heard of, I must admit. Uh, his name is Yam Regev and Tachshov Chiuvi. Or as they say in Yiddish, Tracht Gut. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Tamar Asraf is spokesperson for the Regional Council of Binyamin, which is the largest regional council in Israel. It's home to over 64,000 residents. For the past 19 years of her life, she and her family live in the town of Eli. Her husband is a high-ranking officer in the IDF in active duty. Together they have five children. She's a radio personality in her own right, appearing regularly on the Israeli radio station Gala Israel. In her position as spokesperson for the area of Binyamin, she's hosted many groups and missions from around the world, including the recent news-making visit of presidential candidate Mike Huckabee to Shiloh, or as the Americans pronounce it, Shiloh. We've asked her to share a few of those experiences with us, and we're thankful that she has agreed. Tamar Asraf, welcome to the Israel Show on the Nahum Siegel Network. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be get, to be a guest. <laughs> I heard you tell an amazing story about a, a J Street mission that um, came to Israel a few years ago, I guess, and something that happened. And I, I would love for you to share with our audience the story that you experienced. You were you were there. Yes. Yeah, so it was a mission of, of a congresswoman from the United States. They came for Israel to learn about about what's going on between the Palestinians and the Israelis. They came with J Street, and for, I think, for more than a week, they toured all over Israel, especially in, uh, in Judea and Samaria. They met many Palestinians. They met many Israelis, which are pro-Palestinians. But they felt they needed for one hour along the whole week to meet someone who would be from the opposite side to say that they that they give all the, the chance to listen to everyone so they brought us under the title of being a settler and they brought them for one hour and I knew they came from a, a refugee camp called Balata near Nablus and when they told me they have only one hour I said well we're gonna meet in a very special place this is the only place that I felt that I might be able to explain to them why we live in Judea and Samaria and what is our connection to this area. Because I know usually people from the United States are really connected to the Bible. And we met there. It was a hard meeting because they came from a refugee camp. And of course, the people who met them didn't let them see the the good side and to, to meet the, you know, the rich people and to see the the happier side of the refugee camp and there is one like that so they only took them to the real hard places and you know I was I, I felt the energy it was bad they wow. came and you know they felt like they saw very bad things and now they're coming to meet the people who are responsible in their points of view to all those bad things and I said well I have only one hour what am I going to do with this hour I mean how can I you know try to even say something who will make them feel a little bit different or, or see things in a, in a different way. And it wasn't an easy conversation. I, in the end, I reminded them again that we are in ancient Shiloh, which was the first capital of the people of Israel, the first capital of the first Israeli state 3,500 years ago. And I was talking about our roots and our connection and the, fa- the fact that we came back home And then suddenly one of the women, I don't remember where she was from, she stopped me and she said, just a minute, you said we're in Shiloh. And I said, yes, this is the place we are at. We are in ancient Shiloh. And she says, is this Shiloh from the Bible? And I said, of course, this is the first capital of Israel. It is Shiloh from the Bible. And she said, wait a minute, I I don't get it. This is Shiloh from the Bible? And I said, yes, this is the place, the exact place. And he says, I don't believe it, because my church back in home is called Shiloh. And here I am in Shiloh, and she says, I'm amazed. I, I don't believe it. I'm in Shiloh. And then she looked at the mission, and she says, wait a minute. This is, this is the land of the people of Israel. So, and, and you know, she was all confused, and she looked at them and says, this place is written in the Bible. This was the first capital of the, of the people of Israel, of the Jews. She was all confused. She was really excited. And then she says, I have to come here back. I have to come back again because they only had an hour. And she wanted to tour around, but we didn't have any place because we spent the whole hour, you know. They they spent the most hour asking us really terrible questions, you know, trying to 
put the whole blame of the whole situation, the whole conflict on our, on my shoulders. Right. And then she said suddenly, I, I want to tour around. I want to see the place. I want to understand. This is the this is written in the Bible. This belongs to the wow. Jewish. And 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 it was. And I think it was the best thing that could happen, you know, because eventually... Because it, was, it wasn't coming from you, it was coming from the group itself. Exactly. And then, you know, it changed a little bit the, the situation. It changed the, dynamic, said, it changed the dynamic of the, of the conversation. It did. It did. And I think it, it, you know, they didn't forget what they have been told or most of the things that they have been told, I guess, for their lives, but they also seen, have seen hard things, I think. And then when they understood what we are doing here and understood that this is not the land of the Palestinians, okay? This is the land of the people of Israel. That there's a a historical context within which all this is taking place. Yes, and and I guess she felt like if she she, she said, wait a minute, we, we want to establish a Palestinian state in the homeland of the Jewish people. It's amazing to me that this is a congressperson. This is a member of the U.S. Congress who, who votes on the most important... But there are many people like that, you know? They yes, are of course. They religious. They all pray in churches carrying the name of Bethlehem, of, Jer- of Jerusalem, right. of Shiloh. I guess you know better than I the name of sure. the churches. They sure. all have biblical names, all of them, all of them are in Judea and Samaria. There is no church being called Tel Aviv. There is no church being called Haifa. All the churches in the United States that have that have a, a biblical name, it all comes from places in Judea and Samaria. Exactly. And I would add, the reason that these refugee camps continue to exist is exactly for the purpose of bringing people there and using it as a, a political football, if you will, in order to show the world the terrible situation and so forth. Otherwise, these refugee camps would have long ago been torn down and uh, people would have been resettled. But it's in, not in the interest of the Arab world in general to do that.
with Keter Melucha here on the Israel Show. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you so much for joining us. We were in the middle of an interview that we conducted with Tamar Asaf, the spokesperson for the Regional Council of Binyamin. We continue with uh, Tamar Asraf in this segment. Tamar tells about hosting Mike Huckabee on his recent visit to Israel. This was a visit... Um, just, uh, I think, 10 days ago or so, was covered a lot in the press, and uh, Huckabee got a lot of flack for going to an event in Shiloh. And as she said, Tamar, that's where she hangs. So <laughs> here's part two of our interview with Tamar Astroff. I met Mike Huckabee in the past five years for a couple of times. And this time, as a, as, as a person who's running to be the President of the United States, he came for a formal visit in ancient Shadow. And I found it, you know, I, I looked at him and I, I told him, I'm so happy to have you here. Because, you know, all around us, we see people going against us. And he came here to say, I understand the meaning of this place. I understand the connection of the roots of the Jewish people to this place, to Dan Samara. He was asked by an Israeli reporter, why are you coming to the occupied territories? And he looked at him and he said, what is the occupied territories? I came for Israel. I came for a visit in Israel. Do Dan Samaria are a part of Israel? After so many visitors who came just to ask us why we live here, why we took the land of the Palestinians, suddenly came a leader who tells us, I know this is your land. I know, I understand your connection. I understand you're right here. And when I saw him, I told him that once upon a time, there was a woman, her name was Hana, and she was praying for a, for a child. And her prayers were answered in Shiloh. And I told him that I wish that his prayer uh, will be answered also hmm. here Very in nice. Shiloh. You know, Israeli leaders are embarrassed to do it. And right. he said they're so proud, and right. I was proud of him, and I think he also brought us back, you know, our feelings to, to feel proud to stand and say, this is ours. You may be familiar with this story. Uh, I'll share with you, with the listeners. Uh, go, goes back quite a while when Menachem Begin met with Jimmy Carter. Um, and Jimmy Carter, like President Obama... Uh, felt that the worst possible thing in the world were Israelis living in the quote-unquote settlements in, in the towns of Yehudan Shemron. And Menachem Begin said to Jimmy Carter, let me ask you something. You know that in, uh, in Tennessee and in Illinois, in the United States, there are towns called Shiloh. Shiloh, Illinois. <laughs> Shiloh, Tennessee. If a Jew would be told that he can't buy a home in Shiloh, Illinois, you wouldn't allow such a thing. So why can't a Jew live in the original Shiloh? It reminds me, it's, it's amazing. It, we have seven wineries in, in Binyamin Regional Council. And it's amazing because we have thousands of ancient uh, wine, wine uh, press all over. Wine presses, um, yeah. 
yeah, all over the area. And we have here today young people, you know, growing back grapes like their ancestors did, vineyards, sorry, they, they, they planted vineyards and they produce the best wine. This wine is being um, being marked that it's made in Judea and Samaria, so organization of the BDS. In Europe, that they won't, won't in Europe, market And also it. in the United States, say, yeah. let's not buy it, because it's being made by Jews in their homeland. Mm-hmm. So you can, as a Jew, you can make wine all over the world. Everyone would buy it. There's no problem about it. But if you want to make wine in the place that our ancestors used to make wine. This wine is being... Um, boycotted, boycotted and, and tagged. Boycotted, yeah. exactly. And, and you, you know, I, I think about... We do live in the most amazing period of time in modern Jewish history. There's no question. I think about the Nivuav Yirmiyahu. Cheramim Shomron. This is it. Exactly, and we're doing exactly it. exactly it, Yes.
Alon Oliarchik of Poogie fame covers that song, Beretz Avati, as part of an album called Koloshel Halev, The Voice of the Heart, re-recordings of songs written by the poet Leah Goldberg. Cool stuff, we debut it here for you on The Israel Show. My name is Mayor Weingarten, and uh, you are tuned to the Nachum Siegel Network, and we are sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh. Boy, the excitement last week, as Nachum and, and other journalists and, and um, observers joined the flight, the charter flight of Nefesh Benefesh, filled with new olim, including a group of uh, young men and women, American young men and women, the age of 18 or thereabouts, who are going to volunteer in the Israeli army, 59 young men and women, 86 singles, 29 families, 75 children. Where did they come from? Ohio, Illinois, Georgia, Delaware, Wisconsin, Texas, Missouri, Michigan, Massachusetts, North Carolina, Colorado, Connecticut, California. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Nefesh Benefesh is changing history. It's literally, literally changing history. And as I said just before on JMDA and with Nachum, it occurred to me as I was reading the um, this week's this weekend's Yediyot Achronot and the three-page spread of uh, Hanoch Daum, the Israeli journalist who was also on the flight, it occurred to me that Nefesh Benefesh is accomplishing more than just the Aliyah of thousands. They're also reminding the Israeli, the, the oftentimes cynical Israeli, about how awesome their country is and how miraculous the times we live in really are. Because these journalists get to see that through the eyes of the new Olim as they're watching them and they're astounded trying to understand what makes them tick. We can't say enough about Nefesh Benefesh and we at the Israel Show are proud to be sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh. Uh, the last part of our interview with Tamar Asraf, she is the spokesperson for the Regional Council of Binyamin. And um, I learned something interesting uh, from her interview and this particular piece where she explains why specifically the area of Shiloh is the place where Tuba'av, according to the Tanakh, where Tuba'av was uh, celebrated. This is the um, concluding portion of our interview with Tamar Asraf. I told my husband, they came with a whole bunch of people, and I, I told them we were standing in Shiloh viewing the vineyards. And now in Israel, in August, everything is, you know, we don't have water. Everything right. is yellow all around. Mountains are completely yellow. There's nothing growing. Dry. They're dry because the there's no rain in the summer. Yeah. Yeah, except the vineyards, which are like uh, green, you know, dark green spots on the mountains. And I told them this is one thing to read the Bible, either in the United States or in Tel Aviv. You can read the story of the Holy Day in Shiloh, Tube'av. You can read it in the Bible for thousands of years. But it's nothing like you come back today to Shiloh and you watch the vineyards, the green vineyards, flourishing again, understanding why there was a holiday. Everything in the summer is yellow. Uh-huh. Nothing is flourishing. And suddenly you see this green area. And it's such something that creates so much happiness in your heart. So you want to celebrate it. And you, you understand how Bible comes back to life. Right. And this is something you can only see today. And you can only see it here in Israel. You can only see it when you stand in Shiloh and you look around at the vineyards to understand why we used to celebrate the Holy Day in Shiloh, which is written in the Book of Judges. It's something that you can only see if you come. So I think I want to invite the, everyone who's listening to come and visit in Judea and Samaria, in Israel, Judea and Samaria, and especially in the area of Benjamin. Tamar Asraf, I, I thank you so much for joining us and for um, 
enhancing our show from the source in uh, in Eli, not far from Shiloh, really the bedrock of our Jewish history, Todara Baraba. Oh, most welcome, and uh, Shana Tovah. Thank you. זו הארץ נולדתי בה, עם הטוב, עם הרע שבא, עם תורה, שלום ואש, זה מה שיש, זה מה שיש. ארץ קודש, זבת חלב, והדבש, במענות של קרב, שהשקט בגועש, זה מה שיש. Becoming a listener favorite and a, and a host favorite. <laughs> Eretz Tovati Levi, my name is Mayor Wanga, and you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Okay, we're going to get it all in now. Packing in the, um, packing and unpacking, I should say, this major story that broke out of Israel over the weekend, where um, former Prime Minister, former Defense Minister, former Chief of Staff, Ehud Barak, um, who was being interviewed by two people who were writing his biography, put on tape, ultimately, the story of um, Israel's intent to bomb Iran's nuclear facilities or to attack it in some military way and why that never came to pass. Um, The recordings are in his own voice, and it is quite shocking that they leaked and that they made it through the censor. Israel does have a military censor, and things like this oftentimes uh, get shut out because of that. And I'm, I'm rather surprised, as there are many commentators in Israel, that this was not shut out by the censor. 
because there are very sensitive issues here. Now, another point to make before we play some of these clips for you is that this whole thing is coming from the viewpoint of Ehud Barak, who is now a politician and has been a politician for a very long time. He has an agenda. He wants to blame certain people. He wants to make other people look good. And uh, so you have to take that into account as well. But one thing that seems quite obvious from the whole thing is he's not in any which way denying the fact, just the opposite. He is supporting what we all sort of, kind of, thought of knew that Israel had this plan and that the Prime Minister Netanyahu, Ehud Barak and Avigdor Lieberman were pushing for it. So in the first clip you hear Ehud Barak discussing the events of 2010, five years ago, where Netanyahu himself and Avigdor Lieberman wanted to do a military strike in Iran, uh, that there was a preliminary meeting with the Ramatkal Gabi Ashkenazi, the chief of staff of the IDF, and the heads of all the security organizations, the Mossad, the Bet, etc. And Ashkenazi, at this meeting, in order to make any of this happen, Ashkenazi, the chief of staff, needed to clearly say that the IDF had the capability, had a feasible plan of action for an attack. That is what they were asked to prepare and he needed to say those words. And uh, Barak describes how they went out to a side room so that only a small group of the of the small group, a smaller group, went into a side room. This is the highest ranking Israeli intelligence and military and government members. And Gabi Ashkenazi was questioned over and over and over. And the IDF chief of staff waffled. And finally, when he was with his back to the wall, said no. No, the IDF Tzahal is not ready. And as Barak says, that was Ashkenazi's way of scuttling a plan that he was against. So here is clip number one, Ehud Barak telling us that story. התכנסנו בחדר צדדי, ורק קבוצה מצומצמת, כי בדיון יש איזה שלושים איש, ופה קבוצה מצומצמת מאוד. ראש הממשלה, שר, שר ביטחון, שר חוץ, רמטכ"ל, ראש מוסד, ראש אמ"ן, ראש שב"כ. בפורום הזה שבעצם אנחנו רוצים לדעת מה המצב, אנחנו צריכים בסוף אמירה של הרמטכ"ל שהתוכנית כמו שהיא מבשילה עברה את הסף של יכולת מבצעית. אפשר לומר, יש יכולת מבצעית לעשות. ו... והתשובה לא, לא הייתה חיובית. אי אפשר להוציא מהם את הצירוף מילים האלה. אבל הוא אומר את זה רק כשהוא נדחק לפינה, בדבר שהוא מבין שתהיה החלטה. ואז בזה הוא יוצא מצב שאתה לא יכול כאילו ללכת. אתה לא יכול ללכת לקבינט, כשהרמטכ"ל יבוא ויגיד, סליחה, אני אמרתי לכם שאין יכולת. אתה לא יכול להתחיל את הישיבת קבינט. That was, he says, you, you can't, that we, the leadership, can't go to the inner cabinet of eight with a proposal when, when at that meeting the uh, chief of staff is going to say, listen, I told you that I don't know that I could make it happen. Well, the second clip is he's describing a situation later in this same year, in 2010, now, these decisions are made in Israel by an inner cabinet of eight members. And at that time, the following members were against. Benny Begin was against, Dan Meridor was against, and Eli Yishai of the Shas party was against. That's three. On the other hand, you had the prime minister, you had uh, Avigdor Lieberman, and you had um, Ehud Barak. And now you needed some tiebreakers and those would have been 
Bogi Yalon, who is now Minister of Defense, and uh, Steinitz. And in this clip, Ehud Barak says that not only were these three inner cabinet members against, but the head of the Mossad, Mayor Dagan, and that's well known, was vehemently against it. That of Shinbet was against an attack. The army chief of staff was against the attack, and almost all of the IDF high command were against the attack. And yet, the prime minister and the defense minister had given them a directive to prepare a feasible and viable um, plan for Israel to attack. Now, the Ramadkal now changed. He is now Benny Gantz. So, the top three leaders, Prime Minister, Defense Minister, and Avigdor Lieberman, the Foreign Minister, are for it. Everybody else is aligned against them. But, the difference now is that, unlike the previous time, the army says, we do have a feasible military plan that has a chance of success. Great difficulty, there might be uh, you know, there might be uh, fatalities and so forth, but we have a plan. And uh, the way Ehud Barak tells it, Ya'alon and Steinitz at the last minute back out under the pressure of all those who are against and uh, Netanyahu, who understood from them that they were for it, is now at that point left uh, with nothing, with with no way to proceed. Again, the voice of Ehud Barak telling the story of Israel's plans to attack Iran nuclear reaction. <laughs> אין לגיטימית להביא את זה לקבינט. שמיניה מרכזת את כל האנשים שההבנה שלהם בנושא הזה יותר עמוקה, בלי קשר לתפקידיה, כולל שני אנשים שמתנגדים. ביבי היה אמור לוודא, בשיחות ארוכות, מאוד עושה עם כל אחד מהשיחות ארוכות, עם, עם בוגי ועם שטייניץ, את עמדתם. ואז בשלב מסוים בהתייעצות בינינו, ביבי אמר, הם תומכים, זה בסדר. ואז כינסנו דיון של השמינייה על הדבר הזה. כינסנו את השמינייה כבר. כי באופן עקרוני זה שיש יכולת, אנחנו כבר יודעים. ועם כל הסיכונים יש יכולת. ואנחנו באים לשם אחרי שביבי אומר לשנינו, בוגי וסייליס תומכים. אומר לשנינו, לי ולליברמן. Of uh, Netanyahu and Barack and Lieberman to get through a decision by the inner cabinet of their own inner cabinet of the government of Israel to attack Iran, and twice it's been foiled. And now the third, and what ended up being the last time, at least according to uh, Ehud Barak, was later, two years later in 2012, they had a plan. And they believed that it was an operational and doable plan. But, just in a crazy, some would say, twist of events, the U.S. and Israel had scheduled joint military exercise. And as the timing was working out, when, when would this attack be good? And there's so many factors that have to play, whether it's weather, whether it's weather, <laughs> the, um, the time of the year, other intelligence issues turned out that this attack would have taken place at a time that Israel and the U.S. were having military exercises and that the U.S. Secretary of Defense, Leon Panetta, was in Israel. And the U.S. was against the attack. And it would have been horrible for the United States that Panetta was in Israel. It would look like there was a collusion and so forth. And so what happened was Israel said to the U.S., could you please postpone these exercises? They didn't say why, just said, do us a favor, please postpone them. And, and the United States said, okay. Then when they rescheduled it, finally when they were ready, the joint exercises were going to take place, meaning the attack had to be 
delayed as well. And again, the time fell at the same time that joint exercises were going to take place. America became more adamant against an attack, and Israel felt that it just could not take that risk of alienating the United States to that extent of uh, carrying out the attack. Now, why wasn't the attack um, done after the exercise? He doesn't discuss that. Could be, just wasn't feasible at that point. So here is the last clip from Ehud Barak discussing the joint maneuvers and how they ended up um, foiling the attack on Iran. שאתה תרצה לעשות את זה גם אם אמריקה מתנגדת וזה נגד האינטרסים שלה אתה לא יכול למצוא עצמך בכיוון ההפוך שאתה מנסה להכריח את אמריקה להשתלב בדיוק כשהיא פה בתרגיל שהוא ידוע מראש וזה אתה... וככה זה הסתבך ב-2012 That was the uh, 2012, and as we know, there was no attack. Um, one last postscript to this um, story, and these recordings of Ehud Barak telling Israel's plan, telling the world about Israel's plans to attack Iran. I'm not really sure what the point of that was. Um, this past summer, in New York, the Jerusalem Post holds a conference, policy conference, I think it's called, where they bring uh, speakers from Israel and from America together to discuss politics and other issues facing Israel. Carolyn Glick, Jerusalem Post reporter, the author a very clear and important voice in Israel was on the stage together with Gabi Ashkenazi, I believe it was, and um, and Mayor Dagan, the two who uh, were against the attack on Iran, Mayor Dagan vociferously so. And Carolyn Glick went on the attack and um, I couldn't find the audio of the replies. I'll tell you what they were. But here is the audio of Caroline Glick on stage in New York this past summer before these recordings came out. But she knew the plans had existed. And um, here's how she um, proceeded. In 2010, we learned that two of the gentlemen on this panel with us were given an order to prepare the military for an imminent strike against Iran's nuclear installations. And they refused. And if because we, it was an illegal order. What? It was an illegal it was, order. You were the director of Mosul. You were not you were not there. By the security you don't know what, what happened there? This And the government, the prime minister, without not, the authority of the government. Had you not brought in your expert legal opinion to determine whether or not the prime minister of Israel and the defense minister of Israel have a right to order Israel to take action in its national defense, then we would not be where we are today. We would not be in a position where we are now faced with a situation where no international coalition will be built where now we are seeing the United States moving forward towards the end of the month to conclude a nuclear agreement with Tehran that will enable them to acquire the bomb. We would be in a different position. They changed their mind about enriched uranium two years ago, not five years ago. We would be in a different position, and I think it is important to understand what we're dealing with here. Thank you. That was Carolyn Glick. I had seen this on TV live as it was taking place, and uh, I remember what both Mayor Dagan and Gabi Ashkenazi answered, uh, Carolyn Glick, but I could not find the audio. They basically both said, of the people that are on this panel, there are only two who were in the room and know exactly what happened, and you're not one of them, which is a great way out, because uh, she says, but I know what was what happened in the room as a journalist and as somebody who has a lot of Sources and they said, well, of all the people, only the two of us were in the room, and that sort of put an end to it. But history will tell who was right and who was wrong. Mayor Dagan publicly, very publicly saying that the Prime Minister's order, that he refused the Prime Minister's order to prepare an attack because it was an illegal order. I'm not really sure what that means. One day we will find all these things out at some point in time when some other prime minister or defense ministers decide to leak it. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. We're going to close out 
with a brand new recording by Kobe Aflalo. It's a remake of Shlomo Artsy's Mahen Hamilim. Great song. And we're debuting it for you here as we do so many songs. All the songs that we play during the day, during the day, all the songs that we play during the show, we will upload later in the day to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Israel show. And we appreciate very much that you take a look, give us a like, and have a listen, as we say. Um, we thank you so much for listening. Thank you, thank you for all your Facebook likes and your comments. Thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network, and my very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. I thank also Tamar Asraf of Ali for joining us and giving us insight into um, meetings that she had in Shomron in the area of Binyamin. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network, encore presentations of Eternal Flame with Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson, followed by headlines with David Lichtenstein, and then the great Monday Music Marathon. Until next Monday, immediately following JM in the AM, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race.